Again, welcome. That was fun. I think I heard that right. I think those guys wrote that song. So how about that? That was uh, awesome. Thank you, Harvest, for, uh, for being here. Hey, I get the privilege now to introduce our speaker. His name is Vern Streeter, and he's the lead pastor of Harvest Church, which is uh, the church that planted us. And, and to, to help introduce him, I'd like to kind of tell a story about that. He Vern, four years ago, had to make a, a pretty tough decision. Uh, Brian Hopkins, our lead pastor, uh, came to him and said, I think I'm the guy that needs to go to Bozeman and plant our, our church. And so thinking about that, you know, Vern, at that time, Vern's uh, executive pastor was Brian. Uh, they were extremely good friends, best of friends. They, uh, he, he, Brian was his right-hand man, his co-pilot. And uh, through all that, Vern had to do a gut check and say, okay, uh, I, I agree with you, Brian, uh, go plant journey. So I'm glad he made that decision. So we, uh, help me welcome Vern Streeter to the uh, podium. Bless you. Good job. Morning, everybody. Morning. Thanks. Just want to feel like you're with me. Uh, you know, Brian Hopkins, he was a sophomore in high school when I started as the junior high youth pastor at Faith Evangelical Church in Billings. He was a sophomore, and so uh, so uh, with it, so gifted, that um, I just grabbed him and said, just come on staff. And so as a sophomore in high school, I put him on staff to help me work with junior high kids. And he and I have been doing ministry together off and on basically ever since then. So uh, he was an extremely important person for Harvest Church and in my own life personally because of how good friends we are. And uh, But we both had a burden for Bozeman and wanting to see a church get started here one day. And we'd been dreaming about it for years, actually, even as youth pastors. And um, so then the day came, you know, where he goes, Hey, Vern, I think I might be the guy to do it. No. Everything slowed down, you know. And so then the Lord used a bunch of time to help us see that, yep, that's the thing. And so let's do this. Uh I want you, to, you guys to know that you are a delight to Harvest Church in Billings. Uh, we uh, are very proud, you know, like that whole, we call it a mother-daughter plant, you know, when we do these kinds of church plants. And, and um, so there's this kind of patriarchal, matriarchal, motherly thing that we have as we think about you and so proud of, uh, of you guys. So we talk about journey all the time. And so there's a lot of affection coming this way from Billings uh, and Harvest Church. And so, uh, being the mother church, I, dude, you're in the wrong church. Hey, what are you, is it, what? Yeah. Happened last night. I was like, there's people from Harvest here last night. I'm like, dude, what? Why? Are you here? Uh, uh, so, mm, just a sec. Got this ADD thing, and sometimes it, have to close in the circuits. Motherly. Okay, good. I'm back. Uh, also, really what I wanted to say was rather ancillary. It's just that I get to nag today because I pastor the mother church and moms nag, not to offend any of the moms, which I've now done. <laughs> but your kids know what I'm talking about. Okay, so here's what I want to do today. I thought it would be good to talk about the subject of holiness uh, because this is something that we've been working through at Harvest, and uh, it's uh, something that I wish we maybe would have worked on a long time ago. So it's some really good foundational 
stuff. Um, and one of the things about it is that when you think of the term holiness uh, or something being holy or someone being holy, uh, it often conjures up images of old and stuffy, right? So even if you go to Google and type in holy man, uh, this would be one of the first images you see is this. Uh, the second image that you will see is this one. And interestingly, if you type in holy man, this is the third image that you will find is John Oakland. So old and stuffy. <laughs> oh, you're a compassionate bunch. There was a bunch of, oh, yeah. All right. It's great. You have them fooled. Okay, so here's really what I want to work on now, is this issue of holiness, because in both Old and New Testaments, we get this command from God that says, be holy because I'm holy. For instance, in 1 Peter, uh, Peter says, be holy uh, because I am holy. And so what I want to do first is define this issue of holiness. Let's do that real quick. Uh, And then we're going to, because what we're going to deal with really is the first part of that command, the be holy part. Uh, So we got to talk about what the as I'm holy part, like what is... What does God mean by that? So you'll notice in your notes there that I put a little brief definition of um, holiness. And there's two nuances to the word holy when it's used in the Bible to describe God. Uh, One is it means that God is completely other or different um, or separate. He's completely different than us. And the other is that he's completely pure, meaning he is righteous or sinless. Okay, so that's what it means that God is holy, uh, completely other and completely pure and then he says for us to be holy so what does that mean well when when peter says be holy because i'm holy uh he is quoting directly from uh some passages in the old testament and uh so what we're going to do is we're going to go back to one of the places in the old testament one of the original spots in the old testament where we see this command given for the first time be holy as i'm holy and we're going to kind of rattle around the context of that to figure out what he means in that statement. And then we're going to run back up into 1 Peter, into the New Testament, and uh, see what it means for us today, because we live in the New Testament era, okay? So I think that this is very compelling. Uh, It's a kind of a logical and even rational progression of stuff we're going to look at, but I invite you to kind of try to hang with me as we go through it. It might even be life-changing for you, because the implications of this whole deal is pretty startling, but stuff that we can do, all right? And so I thought it would be real uh, important foundational stuff uh, to talk about at Journey Church today. So, we'll be in the book of Leviticus to start, which is way back in your Old Testament, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, third book. So if you turn there, please, the book of Leviticus, chapter 19, and I'd like us to pray. So let's do that. Okay, Lord, we uh, worship you, we thank you, we acknowledge you, we trust you, we put our hope in you. Uh... And then we respect these moments, God. In reverence, we open up your text, and in anticipation, we will read and learn and be taught by you. And I pray that we don't just let it bounce off, you know, God, but you just settle it into our souls and cause us to want to work it and deal with it and be changed and be a little bit more conformed to the image of your Son, who is the best. And in his name we pray. Amen. Okay, so here's where we start. We're going to go to the Old Testament and talk about this command to be holy. So Leviticus chapter 19, I'm going to read a bunch of verses, and I'm going to kind of comment at various places as we go through it. And um, uh, we're actually going to read all the way into chapter 20, but I'll be 
stopping and commenting as we go. Okay, here we go. Starting in Leviticus 19, verse 1. The Lord said to Moses, Speak to the entire assembly of Israel and say to them, and here it is, Be holy, because I, the Lord your God, am holy. All right, so that's what Peter's quoting. Be holy, because I, the Lord your God, am holy. Then he starts giving some commands. And it's interesting, the progression here. Verse 3. Each of you must respect his mother and father, and you must observe the Sabbath. I am the Lord your God. Do not turn to idols or make gods of cast metals for yourselves. I am the Lord your God. When you sacrifice a fellowship offering to the Lord, sacrifice in such a way that it will be accepted on your behalf. It shall be eaten on the day you sacrifice it, or on the next day, anything left over until the third day must be burned up. Don't feed it to the dogs. Burn it up, because, verse 7, if any of it is eaten on the third day, it is impure and will not be accepted. Whoever eats it will be held responsible, because he has desecrated what is holy to the Lord. That which has been set apart or consecrated to the Lord. That person must be cut off from his people. So pretty harsh. Verse 9. When you reap the harvest of your land, do not reap to the very edges of your field or gather the gleanings of your harvest. Do not go over your vineyard a second time or pick up the grapes that have fallen. Leave them for the poor and the alien. I am the Lord your God. So what he's saying here is uh, when you are harvesting your crops, uh, leave some of it. I don't get everything. Leave some of it on the ground because there's poor people who don't have any food that are going to come by and need some food and let them have it. Okay? It's just some compassion. Uh, verse 11. Do not steal. Do not lie. Do not deceive one another. Okay? You kind of picking up on this? Like rule after rule after rule. How about verse 18? Do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against uh, one of your people, but love, the, love your neighbor as yourself. There's a familiar command. I am the Lord. Verse 19, keep my decrees. Do not mate different kinds of animals. So the cat and the dog, let's not, you know, mate them. Zebras and fish, don't do it. It's a good rule. Next one, do not plant your field with two kinds of seed. No wheat and barley in the same field. Do not wear clothing woven of two kinds of materials. No cotton wool blends. Okay, interesting. Some rules. Uh, let's run down to verse 27. Do not cut the hair at the sides of your head or clip off the edges of your beard, O oh shaggy ones. Huh? No haircuts, no cutting the beard, no, no shaving. Ah, and now a favorite verse of all. Verse 28. Do not cut your bodies for the dead or put tattoo marks on yourself. I am the Lord. Allow me to pause for a moment. Uh, you have had people probably say to you, uh, you should not get a tattoo because the Bible says, do not get a tattoo. And then they rattle around in their concordance and they find the verse, and this is the one right here. And they go, see, don't put tattoo marks on yourself. So, if you've had this happen to you, or if somebody's been a bit judgmental towards you because of your tattoos, and they're using the Bible to support their position, will you just take them to the same text of Scripture, back them up one verse, and read to them 27 do not cut the hair at the sides of your head or clip off the edges of your beard. You look like you shaved this morning, you sinner! Okay? So, uh, in deep theological terms, this process is what we call ripping a verse out of context. 
And so that whole tattoo verse there, there's a couple things about it, is is that these were laws that were written specifically to Israel, not to you. Also, Jesus came and fulfilled these laws. We're going to talk about this in a minute. And so in in fulfilling these laws, it means this is directly applicable to us. We must be careful, particularly in the Old Testament, how we apply uh, passages, especially ones like this. So, all you tattoo brothers of mine, it's my, my love to you. Should be helpful. Verse 29. Do not, oh, now here's a good uh, one, by the way. Do not degrade your daughter by making her a prostitute. Good rule. Or the land will be turned to prostitution and filled with wickedness. 30. Observe my Sabbath and have reverence for my sanctuary. I am the Lord. Okay, now jump over to verse 7 of chapter 20. Consecrate yourselves and be holy. Here it is again. Because I'm the Lord your God. Keep my decrees, obey me, follow them. I am the Lord who makes you holy. When you become a Christ follower, you are made holy by God positionally, and then you get to live that holiness out. One more verse, chapter 20, verse 26. Look, this is kind of wraps the section up, and look how it wraps up. You are to be holy to me, because I, the Lord, am holy, and have set you apart from the nations to be my own. Okay. So, some rules. Lots of them, actually. And uh, why the rules? Well, uh, let's talk first about, um, in the Old Testament then, we get this idea of holiness, this command to be holy. And he then goes and tells us how we do that. Old Testament. And what is it? Uh, You fulfill the command to be holy in the Old Testament by doing what? Anybody? Following the rules. Obeying the rules. That's exactly right. You fulfill the command to be holy by obeying the rules. Okay? Now, uh, what rules? Which ones? So we've got the Ten Commandments, but is there some more? We just read a bunch. Yeah, the Mosaic Law. So how many, is it? How many rules? 613. Okay? So they're all in here. 613 rules. Okay, and it included the civil rules, the moral rules, and the religious rules of the day. Okay, so that's how you fulfill the command to be holy as God is holy, is you obey the rules, all 613 of them. Now, the rules were there for a few reasons. One is that the rules purified the people. And the way it purified the people is they began to realize, I cannot do this. I can't do it. All 613 rules. I just can't get her done. And God goes, exactly, you can't. Because there's no way you're going to earn my way into, earn your way into my keep, into my favor. And so I give you my favor. I give you my grace. Okay? So the rules purify by showing that there's no way that man can measure up. And God goes, exactly. So here now, I give you my salvation. It's my gift to you. Grace. Uh, the rules were also there because in many ways it was the very best way to live. But another reason for the rules is what we saw there at the end of that, this last passage we looked at, is that it would set Israel apart, made them separate from all the other nations and all the other competing belief systems or the competing faith systems, all the pagan cultures that surrounded them. It set them apart from those cultures so that they would be different, um, set apart. The, the Bible uses uh, terms like this, that you would be a peculiar people or that you would be a city on a hill. Okay, so for everybody to see, 
That you'd be an example, you'd be a testimony, you'd be a demonstration. I'm going to bless you so that you're a blessing to other people. You're going to be countercultural, nonconformist is the idea. That's why he set up the rules. You're going to have to look different than all these other nations. You are not the same because I am your God. Nonconformist, countercultural. Newsweek did a, an issue a few months ago, uh, and on it was, uh, the, the, you know, the, the main title of it was uh, this, 1968, the year that made us who we are. Now, I was um, two in 1968, so I had nothing to do with who we are, just so you know. I can't be blamed for this. Uh, they said 68 was the year that changed everything. The, the premise was this, that the 60s are not going away and they will actually define the 2008 presidential election. That the 60s, and particularly 1968, defined American culture. And they then wrote about things like the music and the war protests and the draft dodgers and the riots and women's lib and civil rights and all the clothes and the hair and the drugs and the checking out and the sexual revolution. And all of it was, we know this, countercultural, nonconformist. And at the heart of all of that, was rebellion, rebellion against authority. It was about disobeying the rules, or as they would say, sticking it to the man. God's rules for Israel were really designed to do the opposite. But it was, they were designed to actually point people to God, to, to follow the one, capital O, one authority. To follow the one authority who is kind and gracious and loving and liberty, uh, liberating. That is the idea in the Old Testament when he says, Be holy as I am holy. Point people to me as the gracious, welcoming, liberating authority. Follow the rules, all 613 of them, so that you'll be separate, so that you'll be pure, so that you'll be a blessing to others, and so that you will live well. Okay? That's Old Testament, be holy. Now let's run it to the New Testament. So we're going to go up to 1 Peter. Uh, ways into the back of your New Testament after Hebrews and James, you get to 1 Peter. Okay? Now, a few verses in 1 Peter that we'll talk about. Uh, starting in verse 13 of chapter 1. Therefore, prepare your minds for action, be self-controlled, set hope fully on the grace to be given you, the unmerited favor, the gift of God, grace given you in Jesus Christ is revealed. Now look at this. As obedient children, as conformist, okay, as ones who follow me, do not conform. So be um, nonconformist to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. 15. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, and now he quotes it, be holy because I'm holy. Now, in 15, he says, uh, just as he who called you. Uh, this is a word, the idea here is that just as he who saved you. So if you're new around Christianity, this is kind of one of our internal words we use a lot is this term, saved. And the idea is this, that uh, really the root of the word, it means delivered. So there's this idea of being delivered from hell and delivered to heaven or delivered from a life of futility to uh, delivered to a life and a life lived at its very best. That's what it means when God saves somebody. And the way that happens is not 
by doing a bunch of holy things, the way a person gets saved is when they recognize, I can't do anything to earn God's favor, but he goes ahead and gives it to me anyway. And that action of God giving us his favor anyway through the death of his son Jesus on the cross for sins is what we call grace. God's kindness. Favor that he gives us that we didn't earn. Okay? You don't do holy things to get that. It's just a gift given to us by God. For example, uh, a couple of years ago, I was ice climbing in Cody. Uh, great ice climbing there. And you know how when you go climbing, the uh, clock kind of gets away from you a, a little bit. And you are always later getting home than you tell somebody you're going to be. And that was the case on this day. And uh, my friend Jim, his uh, kid was in daycare, uh, which shows you the priority we place on climbing. Uh, kid was in daycare. We were climbing. And so uh, with 70 miles to go uh, to Billings, uh, we had one hour to get there. And I'm driving. And I said, now, Jim, we're going to make it because I'm just going to drive a little more than 70 miles an hour. And um, that'll get us just into Billings right on time to uh, pick up your kid. So off we go. Now, what I forgot about was all the little towns between Cody and Billings. And you have to apparently slow down in these little towns. So I'd slow down into the town and then come uh, roaring out of the town, you know, and you can pick the speed back up. And in this particular occasion, I apparently was going too fast coming out of the town. I would have noticed and backed down. I would have. I would have. Uh... But here comes a highway patrolman, and he sees me, and the lights go on. And I turn to Jim, and I said, dude, we're going to be late. You better call the daycare. <laughs> so he comes in around me, pulls me over, comes to the window, and you've had this experience. I can't be the only one. Uh, you know, um, license, registration, proof of insurance, all that stuff. Got you going a little too fast. Yeah, 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 hurry up. Uh, okay. So he goes back to his car, and... We wait, we wait, we wait, he comes back, and he gives me all this stuff. And then he says, um, uh, you know, he goes, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to give you a warning today. I said, well, pastoral blessings on you. <laughs> he says, now, are you uh, Pastor Vern Streeter of Harvest Church? <laughs> yes, yes, I am. Sorry. He says, well, Christy says hi. I said, Christy? He says, yeah, she's working dispatch tonight. She wanted me to tell you hi. She goes to your church. I said, well, you, t you tell Christy that her sinning pastor says hi. Now, the warning that I got rather than a ticket, that's grace. Because did I do anything to earn the warning? No, I earned a ticket. I deserved a ticket. I got a warning. It happened for one of two reasons, or maybe a combination. Maybe out of the kindness and goodness of the cop's heart, or on behalf of my blessed parishioner, Christy. <laughs> but in either case, 
It happened because he made a decision to give me some kindness that I didn't deserve. That's grace. That's the whole idea. We're guilty before God, and when he calls us, when he saves us, he makes us, actually makes us holy, makes us righteous because of what Jesus did on the cross. So when a person gets saved, that's what they're giving their lives to. Okay? Now, he called you, saved you, and made you holy, and then he says, okay, now that you're holy, do that. Be that. Be separate and pure, like I am. Okay, but how? Well, we said in the Old Testament, people fulfilled the command to be holy by obeying the rules, all 613 of them. How does somebody do it in the New Testament era, which we are in today? Keeping in mind that when Jesus lived and died, he fulfilled all of the Old Testament law. So we are not under those 613 laws anymore. They were written specifically to Israel, not us. And Jesus came and fulfilled them. So now that that has happened, how is it that we are to be holy? Well, in the New Testament era, God's people fulfill the command to be holy, to be separate and pure by doing what? Okay. Obey the rules. Okay? Obey the rules. Same thing. But here's the kicker. What are the rules? It's not all 613. And the rules are given to us by Jesus in the book of Matthew. Um, Somebody asks him and says, what are the rules? And Jesus says... Here they are. There's just two of them. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. Then he says something incredible. He says, all the law and the prophets hang on these two commands. What he's alluding to was the practice of taking all 613 laws and writing them out and then hanging them, say, on the temple wall so everybody can see them. And what Jesus is saying, all of those hang on, the peg that those are on, the nail that those things hang on are these two rules. Love God, love others. And that's it. That's how a person is holy. In the New Testament era, the era that we live in today. Love God and love others. Love God, love others. Now, uh, how does a person go about doing that? Well, verse 15 again tells us, it says, just as he who called you is holy, so be holy. And here's the important part of this that I want to talk about. He says, in all you do, in all you do is how you do it. So what the important point here is that the command is not do holy things. The command is be holy in all you do. Okay. So this isn't about doing holy things. So when God says be holy, he's not saying do holy things. Like he's not saying, so pray a lot, go to church a lot, uh, give a lot of your money away, read your Bible a lot. He says all those things, so we should do them. But he's not saying that in and of themselves, ultimately that is what it means to be holy. This isn't about doing things. This is also not about don't do things. This is not the typical, you know, don't drink, don't smoke, don't chew, don't go with girls who do. That kind of a thing. All right? It's not don't do. It's not don't do. Okay? This just means that you live your normal life as you're going in all you do. You just don't live it normally. Live your normal life. Just don't live it normally. Live your life different from the expected value system of the day. Because we are 
set apart from the moral decay of the day. We are um, to be pure in our motives and in our thoughts, in our actions. We are to be different from or run counter to the egocentric, consumeristic, nihilistic, cynical culture of the day. In all you do, as you're going, be pure, be separate, be countercultural, obey the rules. And there's just two, love God, love others. So you live out your salvation, or in, this, in our terms, calling, by loving God and loving others as you go and in all you do. Just love God, love others. And I would say to you that if we did that, I mean really did that, we would be more nonconformist, more countercultural in just one day than the whole decade of the 60s. Now, there's a lot at stake here, church. There's a lot at stake here. Because Rabbi Zacharias says it this way, that immorality follows impiety. Impiety, just a better word than unholiness. Immorality follows impiety. Now, why? Uh, well, uh, when I log on to my uh, web page you know, on my computer on my home PC, uh, the first page that comes up is uh, ESPN.com. At work, it's Fox News because it's fair and balanced. And they report and I decide and I want to decide. So that's what comes up, Fox News. Now, in Fox News is this list of headlines like the top headlines. Okay, so uh, on Friday, I clicked it like I do, and I just took note of the top ten. All right? And so here's what they were. Uh, number five was about birth control. Uh, number six was about cancer. And number eight was about a storm. Okay? Here's the other seven. Terrorism, teen suicide, torture, terrorism, drugs, fraud, murder, and we'll add abuse in there now what a mess what a mess but immorality follows impiety and we are an impious nation Rabbi Zacharias points out that in the Oklahoma City bombing, uh, and as we studied the life of Timothy McVeigh, one of the things we learned about him was that he suffered under fatherlessness, which we would say is an epidemic in our nation and even in the world, that fatherlessness seems to be the root of much of the ills in society today. And so we might go, okay, that makes some sense. But we, that ultimately happened. I mean, fatherlessness ultimately happens because we've removed the heavenly father from society and public policy and laws and relationships and schools and culture. Immorality follows impiety. So the latest epidemic isn't some virus. It's our teachers sleeping with their students. And we go, well, what do you expect we took God out of the school a long time ago. And immorality follows impiety. And so then, what do we do? We blame somebody for removing God from culture because immorality follows impiety. And so don't you have to admit, though, that a lot of this happens, that the fault lies with the Christians for not obeying the rules. Love God, love others. Because the Christians aren't being holy like God tells us to. 
Because what happens? We complain that they've taken God out of the equation and out of culture. And, and granted, in many cases we have. And then so that the world is then full of immorality because we, we, we have removed God as Father. And so what do we do in response to that? Well, we sit in our warm living rooms and we say, tisk tisk, and we shake our heads and we say the oft-repeated frame, we are going to hell in a handbasket. And then we what? Change the channel and feel like that we did something admirable or noble or Christ-like or God forbid holy. So we're going to be separate. Well, maybe, maybe we should change the strategy a little bit. Maybe we should get up and get out and get to obeying the rules. Maybe we should do what Jesus did and what Jesus would do. Get up, get out, and start obeying just two rules. Just two. Two rules. Just two. Love God, love others. In all you do, as you go, while you are walking through this life, just do those two things. Love God and love other people. It's like walking. Just one foot in front of the other. Left, right, left, right. Love God, love others. Love God, love others. You know what I saw that sort of illustrated this for me? was a Coca-Cola commercial. It's kind of this video game motif, and this guy sort of bursts into the scene, and he's just walking the entire time. And he gives some money to a homeless guy, then he puts out a fire, and then somebody tries to steal some money from an armored car guy, and he grabs the money and gives it back to him. He takes his coat off and gives it to a homeless guy, takes the homeless guy and introduces him to some fun-living people in a convertible, and they drive away and have fun. A guy uh, uh, steals a purse, and he gets the purse and gives it back. And the whole time, he's just walking. Just, just walking. Just as he goes. Just left, right, left, right, one foot in front of the other, loving God and loving others. And that's the command that's been given to us. Be holy. And the way you be holy is by loving God and loving others. And you just walk it out. And so you, you get to do this. Because God has made you holy. So you're a holy man. You're a holy woman. And that changes the way you walk through your day. Okay, so you need some groceries. So you go to Hebes. And you're in line at Hebes. And it's kind of a long line. But because you're a holy man, you're not frustrated by that. Especially because the guy that's holding everything up, he's fumbling with his food stamps or his, his food card. And so you're looking at that, and you're a holy person, and you love God, and you love others, and so you're figuring out how you're going to give that guy some money, how you're going to slip some money in his pocket without him knowing it, because you want to protect his dignity, because that's what a holy man does. Uh, you recreate with some people. Perhaps you ski, you snowboard with some friends, and it's a great day. Like, they got a lot of snow the night before. And so you get to the mountain, and you know, the mantra is, there's no friends on a powder day. Hmm? But in the car on the way up, you notice that one of your friends seems to be carrying some things deep in their soul that's a little troubling for them. And so you're going to go, you know what? That mantra doesn't fit for me today, because I'm a holy kid. I'm a holy man. I'm a holy woman. And so I'm going to love God and I'm going to love others. And I'm going, to get, I'm going to give up a few powder turns to give a few words of life to somebody that needs it. Because I'm just a holy person. That's what I do. It's not even that hard. I'm just loving God and loving others. 
So you love God and you love others because you are a holy person. And so when you go to work tomorrow morning, you go as a holy person. And you're just walking it out. Left, right, left, right. Love God, love others. Love God, love others as you walk into work. And you're going to give a great day of work to your bosses, to your employers, to your coworkers and your customers. And you also realize that this really isn't so much about those guys being an ends to a mean, to a paycheck. But instead you're realizing these are souls for whom Jesus died. And so I'm going to give them some life and some hope and some joy and some encouragement. And I'm not going to gossip about our boss behind her back over coffee because that's not what a holy person does. And I'm just, I'm just a holy person, just loving God. Love left, right, left, right. Love God, love others. Love God, love others. You see how this works its way out? You go home, you, you go through your neighborhood, and one of the houses in your neighborhood is kind of not keeping up with the rest of them. But you're not going to be judgmental about that because you're a holy person. And so you just walk it out, left, right, love God, love others. And so you walk across the street and you start to get to know that person and rattle around inside their life a little bit to see how it is that maybe you could meet their needs because that's exactly what Jesus did for you and he does it without judgment. So you're not going to judge either. You're just a holy person, just loving God and loving others. Uh, you don't surf porn because you love God and you love others. And one of the ways that you can love your future wife is that you don't surf porn. Or love your wife is that you don't surf porn. So you don't because you're a holy man. A holy man doesn't do it because God wouldn't. That's what it means to be holy. Just do what God would do. Love God. Love others. Left, right. Left, right. Just walking it out. If you are in high school or junior high, would you put your hand up, please, so I can see you? Because I'm going to talk at you. I'm going to nag. Okay. There's a few things in my life I wish I could do over. Junior high and high school is one of them. Here's what I would do different. Okay? Here's what I'd do different. I would just be nice to people. Just kind. Not that big of a deal, huh? But, but in high school and junior high, I was a turd. Can you say that at Journey Church? <laughs> just a turd. Just mean. Just a jerk. And it was like this. It was like everybody coming towards me in the hall had a mirror on and all I could see was myself. It was just all about me. I'd love to go back and just try to be kind to people. Because, you know, you're a holy person. You're a holy kid. So you just walk it out, right? Love God. Love others. So when you walk the hall, you're not thinking about yourself. You're thinking about the person coming towards you because God's thinking about that person. And so you're just being a holy person. Just love God, love others. Walking it out. Left, right, left, right. Love God, love others. Love God, love others. Let me tell you about my friend Shalisa. Shalisa's 16 years old. A couple weeks ago, she gave birth to her second child. Her mom's a lesbian. Her dad's not even in the picture. She moves in and out with her boyfriend because he beats her up. Somebody, somebody started being holy to Shalisa. Nothing really that extraordinary. Just loving God and loving others. So they were loving God and loving Shalisa. And they gave some life into her life and invited her to Harvest Church. And so she came. And then, uh, one Sunday... I, as we give people a chance, you know, to receive God's salvation and ask them to acknowledge that they did that, there she is looking at me, hand up, going, I'm in. And her friend next to her, same thing. 
So Shalisa gets saved. And then she hears me talking about this idea of, look, what it means to be holy is to love God, love others. You just walk it out, left, right, left, right. So here's what she does. She goes to her friend and goes, okay, we're going to do this. And here's what we're going to do. Here's how we're going to do it. She says, she goes, at school, we're going to smile at people. Just going to smile at people. Like when I walk the halls, I'm just going to smile. Now, that might not sound like a big deal, but it is a big deal because Shalisa beats people up. She's the toughest chick in school, and she's mean, but not anymore, because Shalisa's a holy, holy woman, and so she's loving God and loving others, and now, shockingly, she's smiling at people as they come towards her in the hall, just loving God and loving others. That's where she's going to begin. How about you? Where will you begin doing this? Loving God, loving others. As you're going, while you're walking, in all you do. This is not about holding up in a cave in a commune. This is not barring the windows and the doors. This is not about doing holy things. Being holy is about bringing God's kingdom into people's lives. A kingdom so nonconformist and so countercultural that it is shocking. And the way that you do it is by being holy. And the way you be holy is obeying the rules. Just two rules. Love God. Love others in all you do. Left, right, left, right. Love God, love others, love God, love others. And because I love you, I will stop nagging and we will pray. Let's pray. I want to give you a chance to respond to this and uh, talk to God just in your heart about whatever it is that you're thinking about. He's going to listen to you right now. And then I'm going to break in in a minute and guide some more prayer. Okay, if you're ready to receive God's salvation, maybe today's the day for that to happen in your life. Uh, this gift that He wants to give you. I want to help you respond to that and receive that from him and so it starts with an admission of sinfulness or in our terms today maybe lack of holiness in your life and so just admit god to god your sin and that you're seeking his forgiveness and just express that to him right where you're sitting just in your heart and let him know that uh, you believe then that jesus christ is real and he really did die on a cross and he took your sin on himself when that happened. So he's taking the punishment of your sin on himself. Tell him you believe that to be true. And now because that's true, and because you are grateful for what he's done for you, you are giving your life to him. You are surrendering to him. He's going to be your life manager, your leader, your forgiver, your boss, your ruler, your friend, all those things. Because you're putting your life in his hands and you're going to follow him now. Tell him that. Would you hold your heads down just for a second because it's a, a, a private moment. But uh, we also recognize that it's really important to let somebody know it was a decision you made. And So if that was a prayer of yours today, why don't you just let me know by slipping a hand up. And you could make eye contact with me and I want to affirm you and encourage you along in that. And so you can do that now. You just catch my eye. Good job, man. Welcome to God's family. Way to go. 
It's a huge decision you're making, and it, it's life-changing. And you're going to walk different now. Okay. And so, Lord, we uh, celebrate and um, enjoy um, new life and hope and the gift of your salvation and then the and we receive from you and embrace the command very clear command that you give us to be holy like you are and then it boils down to these couple of things loving you and loving others and that can be done in so many different ways but it all happens as we're going and all we do walking it out and um so would you help us see life and people different today uh, because of it now, Lord, I also I just want to pray blessing on Journey Church and its impact in the Gallatin Valley and the joy, Lord, that it brings to people and it, to Harvest Church as well uh, because we just revel in um, the growth of the baby, you know. And so we worship you, God, and we thank you. We're all a part of your kingdom, and you've given us this little niche, you know, to be responsible for. So we accept the responsibility, but we also plead with you, God, that you would empower us and give us ability and fruitfulness and health and hope 